Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. The title of the message today is The Wisdom of the Wise Men. The story of Jesus' birth is filled with nuances and that gives us endless opportunities to make observations and, and have celebrations. Occasionally, somebody will write their own script uh, regarding Jesus. A Sunday school was putting on a uh, Christmas uh, pageant or a Christmas play. One boy wanted so badly to be Joseph, but when the parts were handed out, a boy that he didn't even like got the part of Joseph. And he was assigned to be the innkeeper instead, and he was really disappointed. And so he didn't say anything to the director, but he was not happy. And during all of the rehearsals, he continued to think of what could he do on the night of the performance to get even with the boy that he didn't like for getting the Joseph part that, that he didn't get. And so finally the night of the performance came and Mary and Joseph came walking across stage. And they knocked on the door of the inn and the innkeeper opened the door and was gruff and he said, what do you want? And they said to him, well, we would like a room for the night. And the innkeeper threw the door open and he said, great, come on in, I'll give you the best room in the house. Well, the poor little boy playing Joseph froze for a moment, didn't know what to do, stepped inside and looked, and he said, no wife of mine is going to stay in a dump like this. Where's the bar? <clears throat> After that, the play got back on script. I, I hope that uh, we never leave the script of Christmas. I hope that we stay with the script because while there's a lot of other things uh, that, that are a lot of fun about Christmas. Uh, the script is about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of us know that well. This morning, I do want to stay on script, but focus on an area on some who are called <laughs> the wise men who came to worship uh, the child. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, and uh, beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the, the Christ was to be born. And they told him, <clears throat> In Bethlehem of Judah. For it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that uh, they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I want to share with you this morning four ways that the wise men were wise. Maybe get into the wisdom of the wise men today. First of all, they had the wisdom to seek the Lord. That's pretty wise. It's interesting that the Greek word for these three men is the magi. You've you've, uh, heard that talk about the journey of the magi or the trip of the magi, the story of the magi. Well, that's because that's the word used for these three wise men, and it literally meant magicians. However, the connotation was much different in that day than it is today. Now, I will tell you that they revered them in a way that day that we might not revere these men today, but that is what they were called. The idea that they were kings came from tradition. There's no real biblical confirmation that they were kings. So that came from tradition, not from the story of Jesus' birth. And there have been names that were given to them. Uh, Caspar and uh, Balthazar and Melchior. But no one really knows their names. We do know there were three of them. We do know they were called wise men or the magi. They were most literally wise men in the Eastern uh, sense. And here's why they were considered wise men. They had knowledge of astrology and enchantments. In other words, these guys wrote the horoscopes. And that's why they were called the wise men. Today we might call them something else, but it probably would not be called wise men. However, they were respected men in that day. I'm not trying to take away from their disrespect uh, or their respect in the setting that they were in. Now knowing this... It's quite natural that they would uh, try to follow a star because they had probably been reading signs in the stars for a long time. Also interesting is that God took them from where they were and he led them to where they should be. Don't lose that. Don't lose that in the story here that he took them and found them where they were and he brought them along to where they should be. This is how all of us find the Lord. He first finds us. The Bible teaches that we love God because He first loved us. And I'm here to tell you that we find God because He first finds us. And so He found them like He finds us, and He speaks to our hearts. And then if we are wise, we do as the wise men did. We seek Him. We seek the Lord who sought us. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There's a great deal of wisdom with that. There are people who have the opportunity to seek the Lord and to to meet the Lord, yet they they move away from him when that opportunity comes. The, The reason that we're to seek the Lord while he may be found is because there are times that while he could still be found, he won't be found because we are not responding to him. These wise men demonstrated how much wisdom they had by seeking the Lord. The wisdom seems to be draining from our world today. We have a lot of things that are surging in our world, but wisdom seems to be going away. I don't think that this is the 
the time or the place for a, a political message. This is not the time or the place to uh, be angry, as I said earlier. Uh, this is a time and a place to try and understand something from the story of Christmas that will not only make our lives but make the world better. But I will tell you that this world has lost a lot of wisdom. We are so secular. <clears throat> In fact, this world is so secular today that we're even changing the church to fit the secular world. It's an amazing thing that we would take the, the world that clearly is going to hell and doesn't know what to do, and we're literally altering the church to suit it. And we are becoming secular. And, and with the secularization of the church goes the potency of the church. This isn't a message about the modern church, but I will tell you that if we don't stop this secularization of the church, when a tragedy like that which happened in Newtown, Connecticut happens, people will just go down to their local target instead of to the local church because it's as secular as, as target might be. Here's a good example of how far down Jesus is on our minds today. How many of you ever uh, either have seen or have uh, or watched The Family Feud? Would you raise your hand? You've seen or you watch Family Feud? Hosted by Steve Harvey. The contestants are asked <clears throat> to guess how 100 people respond to various surveys. Now here's one that took place just this year on a <clears throat> in a 2012 episode. A contestant had to provide the top answers to the following survey questions. When someone mentions king, the king, to whom might he or she be referring? Here are the top four answers. Two people said Burger King. Three people said Martin Luther King. Seven people said God or Jesus. Do you know what the number one answer, what 81 people said? How many of you think you know? Would you raise your hand? Say it good and loud. Elvis, Elvis that's exactly right. <clears throat> that's where we are today. Elvis has been dead a long, long time, and, and Jesus died on the cross even longer ago, but Elvis is getting 81 out of 100 people on that survey. That's the wisdom of the world today. The wisdom of the wise men, however, was to seek Jesus while he may be found. Adding to that wisdom is the second bit of wisdom. They had the wisdom to overcome the world. That's some pretty good wisdom there. We all know that Herod did his best to destroy Jesus, and the wise men were, were caught in the middle of the controversy. Let me go back and read a couple of those verses again. Verse 7 of our text, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, there's two things that come to me as in this part of the story. The world certainly wanted to 
to give them, uh, wanted them to give in to the plot of destruction. But they were on a mission for a much different reason. And regardless of the world's opposition, regardless of the world's enticements, regardless of the world's sidetracks, here's what the wise men did. They were wise enough to stay on course. They didn't let those things sidetrack them. Have you ever seen so much controversy over something so wonderful as Christmas? It's Christmas for crying out loud. But it is filled year after year with controversy. And, and the foolishness grows. Uh, there's that, that war. I heard the other day that, that Merry Christmas won the war. That, uh, you know, the big push to say happy holidays, that uh, we've not heard very much of, of employees who were forbidden of saying Merry Christmas this year, that now they could say Merry Christmas or happy holidays, and it appears that, that Merry Christmas won the war. But not to be discouraged, there's yet another front to battle. Is it a Christmas tree or <clears throat> is it a holiday tree? This year's star of the show is Governor Lincoln Chaffee, who insists that the 17-foot tree that he lit outside of the Rhode Island State House was a holiday tree and not a, a Christmas tree. It's a holiday tree. In other words, you can take your Halloween tree and your Easter tree and your Hanukkah tree and your Kwanzaa tree and your we don't like the tree because we don't believe in God tree of the atheist. You can take all of those trees plus the Christmas tree, and this is the holiday uh, tree. And he became famous overnight and around the world for being so stupid. <clears throat> he had the lighting of the holiday tree. Look at the look on his face. He looks like, to be honest with you, does he not look like Steve Ducey on Fox and Friends? <clears throat> he actually does. But he became famous overnight. Carolers crashed the tree lighting. While he was lighting the tree, carolers were singing like the folks from Mayberry, Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas. <clears throat> they crashed it. <laughs> And, and he gave this reasoning. This is, this is wonderful. He said, this is my reasoning. Times are changing. So we'll call it the holiday tree. He wants to be politically correct. Now, you can go ahead and take his picture off there now. Is, that, is he off? Um, I wouldn't exactly call him a wise man. There was a good deal of wisdom lacking. I don't know. He may be a good governor. I don't know. I, I, neither would I compare him to Herod the king. But, but this world has always been po political, and politics of anything tries to move our attention from the main thing. In fact, that's kind of the nature of politics, is to get your focus off the main thing while that, uh, the, thing, the agenda can go through. That's kind of the way that it works. And the reason for this tactic is because most of us do not have the wisdom to stay on course once we've been sidetracked by political pressure, whether it's the politics of work or the politics of the nation or the politics of church or the politics of Christmas. Think about that. 
These wise men had the wisdom to stay on course. Here's the second thing. They had wisdom enough to maintain their joy. Nothing was going to rob these guys of their joy of finding Jesus. They just weren't going to be robbed of that. They knew that who they were looking for, and once they found him, all of the background noise went away. It just left because they would not be robbed by the world of the joy of Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you a, um, I'm getting ready to give you something that I always clearly identify, or I try to. I'm getting ready to give you some thus saith the Randy, okay? When it's thus saith the Lord, you got to take it. When it's thus saith the Randy, you can take it or leave it. So this is thus saith the Randy. I believe that all of this happy holiday stuff and all of this holiday tree, now I believe that it's evil at its root. There is no question that we are in a world that is increasingly at war with Christianity. There's no question that we live in a a world like that. And we could go on and on about it. But let me say this to you. There's nothing about a store clerk wishing me happy holidays rather than Merry Christmas that is going to keep me from rejoicing in the birth of Jesus. And I'm not going to always feel bad I'm not always going to feel bad toward people who say happy holidays. You probably say happy holidays. There's nothing wrong with happy holidays. There's only something wrong with happy holidays if you're saying happy holidays because you refuse to say Christmas. Somebody messaged me on Facebook, a perfectly lovely person, and they, they gave me a, sent me a private message on Facebook asking me about something, <clears throat> a wonderful, wonderful person. And at the end... They said, happy holidays to you and your family. Now, I'm not going to ruin their life or ruin my life by responding back to them. You meant to say Merry Christmas, didn't you? (laughs) No, happy holidays for me. It's Merry Christmas. Do you see the Merry in my Christmas? (laughs) Look, the Rhode Island governor, as far as I'm concerned... He can stew in his own juices. I got a Christmas tree at my house. I don't have to tell anybody that it's a Christmas tree. It just is. You walk in and look at it. It just says Christmas. Now we have holiday presents under it. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it just a, look, here's, here's what I'm trying to say is, don't, don't let that happen to you. Don't, don't, don't ruin your Christmas. Don't let somebody else ruin your Christmas because they don't understand it. Don't let somebody else ruin your Christianity because they don't understand it. More and more God's people need to find and keep the joy of their salvation and not give in to the political pull of the world that would rob us of our joy. Just don't do that. Doc, it hurts when I do this. Well, don't do that. It just makes me so mad when they, don't let it make you mad. Get over it. Look, a lot of those people who are 
who are on a mission like that, I'm talking about the people that this is going to be a holiday tree, this is going to be happy holidays, blah, 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 and so forth and so on. A lot of those people, look, they don't need to say Merry Christmas. They, a lot of them, need Jesus. Now, I'm not saying everybody that is in that needs Jesus because they're not saved, but I'm saying a lot of them do. We just want to make sure we stay in a position to give them Jesus and not ruin our testimony because we think they're ruining Christmas. They're not ruining Christmas. Not ruin it for me. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Your anger is understandable, but your joy is, is of far greater value than your anger. The psalmist said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. What these wise men, uh, what made these wise men so wise? Well, they had the wisdom to seek the Lord and they overcome the world in, in seeking him. Don't let yourself get bogged down or get discouraged during Christmas. Just don't do it. Do you know that a lot of happiness is just making a decision to be happy? A lot of it is. I'm just going to be happy. It's going to be okay. Here's the third point of their wisdom. They had the wisdom to give Jesus their best. Verse 11 And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, some believe that the gifts had significance beyond their value. They were valuable gifts. Some believe that they have significance beyond. Some say that they may have reflected the life and purpose of Jesus, that is, that gold might have represented his deity or his purity, and that the incense uh, was the fragrance of his life, and that the myrrh, the sacrifice of his death, because myrrh was used in embalming, and they say that it may have been that, and it could be. These gifts were probably the means by which Joseph took his family to Egypt and sustained them there until Herod died and stopped looking for Jesus. They probably took these gifts. But there was a lot of giving that was done here. And I think that was wise. You know, there's a certain amount of logic in the way that we give. And, and I will tell you that here's the most logical way for people to give. I'm just here to say it. I'm going to say it out loud for everybody. The most logical way for people to give is to spend what you need and spend what you have and give out of what's left over. That is the most logical way to give. Uh, if we feel like we may not have enough left over, if we give first or if we give our best. We've worked hard and, and we just can't give it away. We've, we've got to hold on to it and, and, and not let it take us away from our, uh, from our needs of life. Everywhere you turn, there's logic to be offered. Everywhere. And, and that's why we should keep what we have and not give it over or up to the Lord. Now, that is the logical thing, however. If there's logic in why we should wait to see what we have left over before we give to the Lord or anyone else, there is wisdom in giving first. Most of the Christian life defies logic. So, 
why wouldn't the simple act of giving to God our best defy logic? Let me give you a few things about the wisdom of giving Jesus our very best. First of all, there's wisdom in giving Jesus our best because of the love of God. The love of God is motivation to give Jesus our best. Um, I, I have been thinking about Christmas. I have been working on gifts for Christmas. I've been, my main responsibility is, is to uh, get uh, gifts for my wife, and then she kind of works everything else out for the rest of the family. We talk about it and so on. And I, I really am trying, I'm trying my best to, uh, to have some wisdom and to give a loving gift. I really am. Now, I'm not reflecting on any gifts you, you give to your uh, husband or wife, but I've never given my wife an electric skillet. I've just not done that. I just, I'm just, I'm not that guy. I, I never have because I think, I think that gifts should reflect not an obligation, but a thought and love process. I really do. I think that that's what, what gifts should be. And that when the person opens the gift, they should be really happy because not only did they see something that they like, but they see beyond that into the love through which it was given. I really believe that. I think that's the way we ought to give to the Lord. I mean, we believe that God loves us. All of us believe that, and there's wisdom in that. There's, there's much to believe and embrace about the love of God, but let me just give you two things to, to believe as it relates to the wisdom of giving God our best. First of all, we should be, have the wisdom to give God our best because of God's love for us or God's love for me. Matthew 7 and verse 11 says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God loves me, <clears throat> and, and God loves you, and He loves us too much to ignore us and to ignore our needs. God really loves me. And so when I give a gift to to God, I'm giving in response to a God who loves me. He has a love for me. He not only has a love for me, but I'm motivated by God's love of me. Let me explain that a little bit. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. If God loves a cheerful giver, that's enough motivation for anyone I mean, we should want to give because of, of the effect that it, it has on God when we give. I, haven't you been given something out of duress before? Duress is not the exact word, but it's close enough word. Haven't you been, have you been given an obligatory gift before? And you receive that obligatory gift, you know, okay. And you could not see any love behind the gift. Kind of like when me and my brother Butch would fight and my mother would make us hug each other. You know, the only thing in that hug was the desire to be able to hug him tight enough that he would pass out. 
That's the only thing. You know, God really loves a cheerful gift. God, God really wants us to be happy about this. I mean, really happy about this. So the wisdom to give Jesus their best was motivated by the, the love of God. And let me give you the second reason that, that that kind of wisdom ought to come along is because of the fullness of God. Years ago, I remember a conversation that I had with a very successful businessman um, in Nashville. In fact, Nathan, he was your, your baseball coach uh, and uh, Coach Phillips. He was your baseball coach. And uh, we were talking about his faith. We were standing at his car and talking about his faith. And, and I asked him, I said, uh, have you put your faith in God? You know, are you, are you born again? And he said, yeah, Randy, I am. He's a real laid back kind of guy. He said, yeah, I am. I said, well, tell me about that. He said, well, it's a strange thing. He said, I was at a banquet. And he said, a, a guy was talking to us and he used this verse. He said, hey, I remember this verse. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And he said, you know, I realized that God loved me in every area of my life and that God was going to take care of me in every area of my life. And he said, that's when I trusted him. The wisdom to give God our best is rooted in the, the love of God and the faithfulness of God. You know where else it should be rooted? It should be rooted in the abundance of God. Luke 6 and verse 38. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. The abundance of God ought to be a, a good reason to give. You know, a lot of times we think that other people ought to give to us because of their abundance, but we ought to give to others because of their abundance. Of all the wise men who ever lived, probably King David had the best understanding of the importance of giving to God his best. He said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. Whenever we give to God, we should give out of wisdom. Whenever we give to one another, we should give out of wisdom. It should be born out of love. It should be born out of abundance. It should be born in all of those areas. These wise men were really wise. They had the wisdom to seek the Lord. They had the wisdom to overcome the, the world. Uh, thirdly, they had the wisdom to give Jesus their best. Now, here's the four, fourth and final thing. They had the wisdom to walk a new way. Look at verse 12 of our text. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. These wise men were warned by God not to return and report. So they turned to their homes and went back to their homes a different way. Uh, of course, that's consistent with the a true encounter that anybody has with the Lord. Once you have a, an encounter with the Lord, you walk differently. 
You walk a different way. You walk a different path. If you have a real encounter with the Lord, it changes you. You never walk the same way again. And that brings me to this final question. Have you ever followed the star, I guess I'll say, or followed the pull of the Holy Spirit and had that, that pull of the Holy Spirit to rest on Jesus so that you might receive him as your personal Savior and that your walk would be different from that point and, and evermore. It's not cliched to say that the greatest gift you could ever receive or give at Christmas time is salvation by grace through faith. Your walk will be different. You'll have wisdom that you didn't have before. And my prayer today and my offering to you on this, I guess, the second Sunday before Christmas is that you will come to know Jesus Christ Jesus was born and he was placed in a manger and it was a special and a very wonderful, wonderful time. But it's not just a story to be told at Christmas time. It is a story to unfold and the unfolding of it leads to the cross and that his death on the cross and his resurrection is a life-changing opportunity. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray, lchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.